Listeners, welcome to this week's episode. I am joined by Lady Neha Varaz, Lady Lauren McGew, and Lady Laverne Caprice as we embark on a journey of discussing Bridgerton. Um, as we're so tired from walking along the promenade and reflecting upon the ton. Oh, I'm a bit out, a bit out of breath there saying Who's that. Who's Lady Neha Varaz? <laughs> I know I was going to say, that's not how you say her surname. Because, right, I was trying to keep the accent up and then it just wouldn't let me pronunciate your beautifully Vyos. Yeah, that's cool. I was just like, damn, like Jason Mraz, I'm into it. Jason. I was shocked that you said McGill, right? Like, <laughs> to, to be fair, I think you've heard worse in your life, haven't you? Oh, God, so bad. <laughs> What's the worst pronunciation have you heard? Of my last name? Yeah. Um, people just missing out the V and the Y and just being out. <laughs> really? Yeah. Niha What's ass. The Niha? Niha ass. Niha ass. Mm. Niha ass. Mm, interesting. <laughs> that is great. I hope you correct them. Yeah, we're here. We're going to talk about Bridget in this week, but we've got uh, we've got a nice little round table. Uh, Lauren's joined us again and Laverne's here for the first time. Hey Laverne. Ooh. Hello. 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 It's exciting to have you guys here. So Still in the lockdown, still in the pandemic. What have you guys been watching? Let's kick off with you, Neha. Riaz. Riaz. <laughs> I've like found my step with film. Because you remember I'd gone off film for a bit. I was only watching old yes. stuff. So it's not new, but I watched Instant Family finally. Awesome. And I so loved good. it. Yeah, it was, it just made me feel so warm. So I loved Instant Family. And I also watched One Night in Miami finally. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So good. Like I knew it was going to be good because everyone had said it was good. But then I watched it and I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. So big Regina King, like huge Regina King supremacy. So it was good. Yeah, I had the same feeling like I went, I I saw it at London Film Festival and I was like, this is this will be good because, you know, it's Regina King. And then you watch it, you're like, no, this is good. Like, this is really good. I think it's the first film that I've watched and I thought, everyone deserves like best actor because <laughs> mm. all four of the leads are so good like they're just absolutely brilliant so yeah, it'd be interesting I think for the Golden Globes I think only one of them got a nomination I think it might have just been mm. um Leslie Odom Jun- I think it's Leslie Odom Jr oh, yeah because he plays Sam Cooke mm-hmm. doesn't he which I was yeah. shocked at because mm-hmm. I it's for me that's not a supporting role I feel like it's four leads would yeah. you agree yeah. yeah, no, I agree, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like four really different... Good. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. Oh, I'm glad you're getting back into film. It's nice to have a little bit of a resurgence sometimes, isn't it? Just t- take a step back. You've got more yeah. to catch up on. It's nice. No, I'm excited. Lauren, what have you been watching? I think last time we spoke, you said you were binge watching The Best Leftovers Ever. Yeah. Uh, I was watching that. I've actually stopped watching that. There's still loads left. I don't know what happened. Then, well, obviously, I, we're not talking about this right now, but WandaVision. But we'll oh, not talk gosh. about this, but WandaVision. Can I just and, say, in your accent, it sounds like you're saying one, one division. WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, WandaVision. <laughs> WandaVision. How, how do you say it? We've already said it the same way, but it just sounds like WandaVision. WandaVision. <laughs> it's sort of like long division but one division one division um well yeah that and uh i've started re-watching parks and recreation again yes because it's on netflix yeah and but it's like uh, i mean when parks was on tv like i watched it every week like it was a weekly watch and now watching it it's like still brilliant but now it's like oh chris pratt and season sorry mm-hmm. oh, yes yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, I just love Aubrey Plaza and Amy Poehler and Rashida Jones too much to not watch it again because it's still so good and it has such a place in my heart. But Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day um, because I used to love Chris Pratt, particularly yeah. from Parks and Rec. And uh, when he when he started becoming, and I actually was scrolling down my Instagram and there's a picture of me standing next to a poster of Chris Pratt. And I'm like, oh my God, Chris Pratt. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing now. But... I was so supportive of him when he'd become more Hollywood. And then it definitely has like been a slippery slope down. And I think it kind of kicked off when he got divorced from Anna Faris. That was, that's when I was kind of like, what? You divorced Anna Faris? Yeah, yeah. kind of insufferable now. 
That's literally it. <laughs> like they, they, I don't know if you guys saw, but they released some on-set pictures of Thor three. Is it Thor three? It's Thor four, no, isn't four, it? Four, yeah. Four. Um, I bet two doesn't count. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And there's pictures of Chris Hemsworth looking amazing. And then Chris Pratt's there, and I'm like, oh God, he's in that too. Have they merged it together? Is it like Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, because that's how it ended off in the last film. Yeah. Um, They were like off Mm -hmm. to do on the next adventure. So it it makes sense. Yeah. But it's kind of like, well, that's a shame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because Thor, like for me, Thor was apart from Spider Man. Well, until they started making, you know, women in them. But yeah, before yeah. that, it was like, <laughs> so I loved Thor and I loved um, uh, Spider-Man. Uh, but I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was like, eh. like the first one was good. The second one was pretty useless. Not in my happening, opinion. wasn't it? There's a lot going um, on it. Yeah. But then didn't they just come out and say that uh, Star-Lord's pansexual? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. And that's like the controversy started, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. So I know this happened months ago, probably, but it's interesting. What is is time? What is time? I I mean, look. (laughs) I mean, WandaVision. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, it's it's definitely. I'm excited to see. I will say we're going to do our next episode is on WandaVision, and I will say it's definitely like re woken the Avengers fan within me because I feel like after yeah. Endgame I was like okay well you know it's kind of over now it was traumatic yeah. blah blah and you had Spider-Man and I just it kind of died a little bit of a death and now I feel like this has really been like oh no this is great again so yeah. yeah I'm excited I'm excited for the episode next week so just just tune in for next week cheeky little plug there guys cheeky wait plug. next week Lauren this episode oh crap is this gonna... is like Graham Norton this is like oh sorry yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Graham Norton I love that exactly it's a Friday evening at 6pm I mean 11.15 It's too late Nobody can stay up that late Graham what are you doing? <laughs> I, I know I know Advertising Breadbox You're from Cork <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be an episode With the Lauren Without a little bit Of Irish discourse Would it? Absolutely It's not. true though it's He's true. from Cork Why are you the voice Of Breadbox? <laughs> Explain <laughs> You can contact us At info at Reanpictures.com uh, Laverne uh, What have you been Watching recently? So this morning I watched Malcolm and Marie. Ah, oh, yeah. let us know what you think of this because there's a lot of lot of discourse mm, on did this. Did that just come out today? It came out yesterday. Oh, okay. but I, I wanted to stay up, but then I fell asleep, so I watched it this morning. I'm still deciding. Uh, I'll just. It was kind of just like one long conversation. I've heard this, mm-hmm. you know, for okay. an entire film, and I think visually it looked amazing I I liked the simple background I liked the black and white I think it was like 3.5 mm like it was really artistic like the way in which it was filmed but the actual context I don't think it was for me it was it, it you have the one issue that is like spoken about in the first five minutes and then it's just a development of that but it's a lot of it's just a it's one long argument, guys. That's, that's all. <laughs> the entire film is one long, is long argument. Oh, I'm not too sure, but um, um. yeah, you are, you you are checking your watch a bit as well. Oh, and it, yeah, no. I, all I would say is that the entire film is one long argument. But Zendaya is a force to be reckoned with. She's going to be one of those people that we talk about when we're old. Like, yeah. oh, I remember when she first started, and then she took made this transition into more adult films. Like, I really need to watch Euphoria. Like, I really phenomenal. Same. You wouldn't she's, even think she's a Disney Disney kid. Yeah, like, yeah. Shed that skin. Um, yeah, she was fantastic. She's probably the only one to have done it in such a successful manner. Because I mean, she—I'm trying to think. She was on Shake It Off, wasn't she? And then she did a Casey undercover show, and then it seemed that she kind of moved from that to The Greatest Showman really seamlessly. Yeah. And obviously has done Euphoria and Spider Man, and now she's doing you know things like this, which is very much like you know high, highly acclaimed and award buzzes all around. I didn't but, even know she was on Disney until there now. Yeah, she she actually shake it off was her and Bella Thorne. Yeah, but I think <laughs> what a combo. Her transition was not for the shock factor because if you remember Spring Breakers, well, yeah, like, that yeah. was to make everyone. We go, talked about oh this my last gosh. time. Yeah, like everyone goes, oh my gosh, they're in bikinis. Well, I'm like, like, do you know what I mean? It, she didn't do that. She actually chose yeah. things that she was interested in, and, and was great in. Yeah, so if it had yeah. adult themes, it just happened to have adult themes rather than let's just do something that makes everyone go, they're growing up. Like it was <laughs> yeah, Spring Breaker, it, like Spring Breakers was so bad it made me think Selena Gomez was a good actress. <laughs> Amy, I'm sorry. 
Amy has been my friend for 12 years and she listens to the podcast and every now and then she'll text me saying, I've heard the latest episode and I'm not happy with the Selena Gomez content. Okay, Amy, if you're listening, I enjoy her music. I think she has some And you're the songs. only one. Sorry. Sorry. No, but she has some great, I mean, is she a great singer? No, am I? No, so I'm not judging, but I'm saying she has some great songs. However, acting wise... Spring Breakers was a shambles, but she was very good at it. I will give her that. But then also my hatred of Vanessa Hudgens really like made uh, me really like Gomez and also Ashley Benson. What was that? Anyway. Anyway. But <sighs> it's interesting with Malcolm Marie because obviously it's directed by Sam Livingston who did um, Euphoria and he did um, Assassination Nation. Again, like Lauren, I really need to watch Euphoria. Um, but I did like Assassination Nation. But a lot of people obviously have criticised it because he is a white man and he's made this film um, with these two brilliant black actors. And people are kind of questioning like, have you done this for clout? Have you done this because you're generally yeah. interested in the dynamics of this? But there was a comment um, someone made because this was made during the pandemic and I think someone said something like Zendaya you know she did her own hair and makeup and I'm like I think black actresses have been doing that for a long long time and it's usually because they can't be asked to hire someone who actually knows how to do it so I wouldn't use that as like a (laughs) there was a really great Twitter thread on this like last week wasn't there Mm. yeah Yeah, when you were listening to this Mm. six weeks ago um Um, all about like High School Musical and all Monique Coleman saying that they gave her a hairband because they just didn't know what to do with the front of her hair yes and Riverdale actresses as well yeah it's yeah it's interesting I am going to watch it um, but it does look like a slow burn couple Mm. having an argument and I I can just stay at home for that (laughs) yeah (laughs) also I don't know if you've seen the discourse around Barry Jenkins I don't know if you've seen about this because I saw he got mentioned like what's what's the situation like has he he done for I can just see the panic in Neha's face (laughs) as like the biggest Barry Jenkins um I don't want to call him Denzel Washington's son. What's his name? I, John I, yeah. David. John David. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be that person. John David's Washington's character is a, uh, he's made a film. And so the, they're waiting for the critics to, to talk about it. So it's premiered that night. He's waiting for, for the critics. And so he says a, a line, I don't want to ruin it, but he's like, would Moonlight be as good if Barry Jenkins was gay? And, but then Barry what? Jenkins then spoken about like another two times. And people are saying Sam Levinson is basically just putting pen to paper of his thoughts on like, it be, everyone was actually like, Barry Jenkins is going to be like, keep your name out of my mouth. Because it was so, <laughs> it, he was mentioned, I'm not kidding, like two or three times just randomly. <laughs> and I'm like, Sam? if you want to just send hate mail, just send hate mail, like... Shots fired. It's like film Twitter's gone into like actual filmmaking now. Yeah. yeah. I, on this alone, don't think I'll have a vibe with Sam Levinson. I mean, I've not seen anything he's made and I'm like, oh, I'll keep an open mind. But shots fired at Barry. It's so yeah. strange. Yeah. Is Sam Levinson an actor? No, he's, um, a, he's a filmmaker. He's, um, I mean, he kind of got acclaim when he made Assassination Nation and he then did Euphoria but he's not done anything like this this probably fans listen to this like you leave him alone but I, I I only know of him because of Assassination Nation and that kind of like was only popular because it was so mixed and like the reviews were so mixed yeah and then obviously Euphoria has done amazing but he that's based on like a, a series like an Israeli series like it's not like original content it's like it's not a remake per se but it's just it's based on something else um, I've just realized why I thought Sam Levinson was an actor I thought he was Sam Levine <laughs> <laughs> Sam Levine Sam Levine, freaks and geeks. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's not, not him. Um, now on to white men that look the same. Bridgerton. <laughs> oh my goodness! Good, good, good said it. Excuse me, I've not said what I've been watching lately. How dare you try and harass me of my own podcast? You know what? Whenever you find a segue like that, you gotta run with it. Anyway, sorry, Karis, what have you been watching that. this week? Well, to be fair, I have been watching what you guys have been watching, but I did watch the trial of the Chicago Seven last night because I'm trying to catch up with everything I missed last year, even though last year. Yeah, it was perfect time to catch up on stuff. I will say I did enjoy it. I thought it was quite interesting. It was pretty much an ingredients list though of like how to make an Oscar film, you know, like a really intense court scene. And then, you know, at the end, mm-hmm. that music and things like that. The accents. Now, the Boston accent is quite an art, as we've all, you know, witnessed in film before. And Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen. <laughs> has- is, he, is he from, I haven't seen it. Is he from Boston? 
He tries no, to talk funny. like this and then the cops and then, you know, and then bastard. And then actually I'm, I'm actually Australian right now, mate. And then I'm actually down in East London. It's just a big fat mess. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's been nominated for a Golden Globe. So good to him. I mean, who hasn't been nominated sure. for a Golden Globe this time around? <laughs> I'll tell you who, Michaela Cole. But let's not go yeah, on to Valid point. Yeah, Sorry, you there you go. Happened. Sorry, yeah. you're correct. <laughs> but everyone who shouldn't have or like did hardly anything is like, here. Here's his award for trying. It, I found mine? it quite interesting, but, but I'm, it's, I've probably forgotten about it now, to be quite honest. That's all it yeah. is, to be fair. But Eddie Redmayne's in it, and um, he has an accent as well. <laughs> it's just, I just watch it for the accents. It's quite comical. But Eddie Redmayne's character actually marries Jane Fonda, the real-life version of him. So I was like, Wait, Jane Fonda would not marry sorry. Eddie Redmayne. Not like in the film. So no the character that Eddie okay. Redmayne plays in real life, he married Jane Fonda. Oh. I know. Which is why I was like, Jane Fonda would not marry Eddie Redmayne. I can't look at Eddie Redmayne again properly ever since Slay Miz because his vibrato was so lip-based. <laughs> and it's just like, my friend, my friend. Like, it's just so weird. And that's <laughs> all I see when I look at him now. Have you seen that TikTok of the girl who does mouth acting? Oh yeah, no? she's fantastic! Brilliant, it's so absolutely good. brilliant. I'd recommend it to anyone. Her I mean, for somebody spends <laughs> constant time on the internet. I've really missed a lot of things on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been watching. And obviously, One Division, which we will come to you with. It sounds like you're saying One Division too, so you can <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Bad, bad marketing. So let's talk about Bridgerton, which is pretty much taken everyone by storm, really. When I first saw this advertised, I will admit I did think I'm not going to watch that. It looks like a pile of rubbish. Same. The only the only thing that drew me to it was... Uh, Nay has tweets about it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly working for Netflix. Uh, no, it was Yadol from Derry Girls. That's the only reason why I was invested in... That's watching. the second reason. Yeah, that's the second reason. Yeah. Um, but then everyone started talking about it and I thought, okay I'm gonna give this a go and away I went first couple of episodes quite you know skeptical thinking you know this is very la di da and then I don't know what happened but I just got hooked absolutely hooked like and sinker it was it was crazy and you guys all in all, well I wouldn't say watched it enjoyed it you you all watched it are you surprised by the hype as well because it is a period drama like this isn't usually the um the blueprint Shonda Rhimes <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't surprised. I started to watch it and then I wanted to watch it alongside the Twitter discourse. It was one of those things. Mm. It reminds me of uh, Bird Box, you know, yes. when you want to watch something because everybody's talking about it and you want to follow along as the tweets are following along. Yes. And because it's not really a type of thing that you can spoil. Like I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't that in, invested that, you know, like, for example, I have to wake up at the crack of Christ to watch WandaVision before. Oh my God. Everyone ruins it. <laughs> I Whereas forgot this it was on until Neha tweeted. Basically, I'm just informed by everything via Neha's <laughs> <laughs> It was like fun to watch along with everyone. I personally, I'm not 100% sure I would have off my own back said, let me watch this um, if it wasn't for everybody loving it. That just shows like the power of social media now and mm. online streaming that you never had that before. Like you used to have to watch shows because you were either told word of mouth that it was good or, you know, the, t- the TV told you so. I mean, 63 million households tuned into Bridgerton and it's the fifth most popular original ever, which is very high, very, very high. Yeah. So let's talk about the premise. So obviously we have this very prestigious ton, as they call it, that essentially it's their lives revolve around marrying each other off to relevant rich people. And all they do is walk around. Let's just be bloody honest. Promenades. Prom- promenades. I'm, I'm definitely going to say that now when I go walking with Cara, like I'm promenading for a husband. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we have these kind of family settings. There's two main families. We have the Bridgertons and we have the Fe- Featheringtons. Have I said that correctly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Featheringtons kind of give me Cinderella's ugly stepsisters vibes, which is very mean because they're actually quite nice looking girls, bless yeah. them. You know, very garish outfits. They're not the skinniest. They're not the prettiest, but they are high class. And then you have the Bridgertons who are just your average white family who has, has a lot of money and didn't stop shagging. They've got like seven kids of them And we've got Daphne, Daphne Bridgerton Tell me your thoughts on Daphne Bridgerton as a character I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say Because she, is she the star of the show? Let me know what you think Let her go for it I thought she was really bland Like for someone who's leading this huge show 
I just, she didn't do very much for me. And I don't know whether I was, it's just because everyone else was more interesting. I feel like had they not spent so much time, which is a good thing, developing all those like other characters and she would have been the only focus, maybe I would have been more interested in her, but I really just didn't care. Yeah, I would die for Eloise. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. It did feel very manic pixie dream girl. This whole like, she's so beautiful because she doesn't know she's beautiful. And she knew she was beautiful. Let's be friggin' honest about it. So obviously we have Daphne. She's kind of given the say-so by the queen that she's the, what do they call it? The diamond of the season or something like that. So she's like the most eligible woman. And then you have these disgusting men that start, what do they call it? Male suitors or visitors suitor, i'd say suitors yeah. that's it and mama the suitors at the door like if someone ever said that to me but like get the bloody shotgun <laughs> get the baseball bats get them it's like, i don't want any suits go away <laughs> but yeah no last so it kind of follows you know daphne you know becoming into this world i don't know it just kind of like that element of it bored me to be honest or is this just going to be about like you know like women being married off and it did kind of make me think at some points do you know what i wouldn't mind that it would just take a lot of the struggle out of the game just to get married off to someone not have a choice and just have to get on with it you know what i'm saying but it did speak a lot i will say about the whole element of marriage like i know for example lady featherington says at one point you know you have children and that's who you love and then you find she says something like you find other things to do and other things to love which was really sad in a way but I think a lot of people do still do that now when they're kind of stuck in relationships or you know stuck not being able to find a partner but then we're introduced to the duke the duke of hastings who again I'm gonna say I did not get blown away by how handsome he was I just don't get it how do you guys feel about this I know it's gonna be torn go for it go for it go off I think I think I when I was watching it, I wasn't like, oh, I'm so besotted by him. But then when I saw the online discourse, I was like, oh, am I not seeing like what everyone else is seeing? Like I was a bit confused. But I tell you who was my uh, love. Mm-hmm. It was his um boxer friend. <gasps> oh, yes. yes. Oh my yes. goodness. Yes. Oh, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Also, was boxing like a thing that happened in the 1900s? Actually, like. Absolutely. I, and do you know what? That character is so actually, like, it's based on a real person. Yeah. So it was based on a famous 19th century black boxer who was called Bill Richmond. So he okay. was born a slave in America and he rose to become the first black sporting star. But you wouldn't know that because he's a side character. Yeah. <laughs> you could have had more. And still, a side character who is still more interesting than Daphne. Yeah. <laughs> I love that he was a family man, though. Oh, my. I just, oh. he could have slipped in mud and would have been like, did you see that time when he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So gracefully slipped. I know what you mean. Like, for with, with the joke, I was like, I mean, he's an attractive man, but like, there was just a lot of stuff. I was like, I get it. Like you had a hard childhood. I get it. But also there's just so much like non-communication that would have made this so much easier yeah. from the get-go. And it just was while it got to the point where initially when you when you saw his backstory and all, I felt so bad for him. And I was like, God love him. And then I was just like, right, will you just say something like this is actually just stupid now like it's gotten to the point it like was past the point yeah of stupid and that really frustrated me I mean for me I really just loved like you know the the side stories as well it was like a similar thing it was like right I get it and I know that like a lot of people are going to watch this and be like oh it's like twilight that they're forbidden and like they shouldn't be because he can't have and it was just like nah but like Eloise and Penelope <laughs> I just love Nicola Coughlin like let's be real here I'm just like I really sorry. liked Eloise but I felt that she had to represent a whole side yeah. of opinions. Yeah. And yes. I feel like that's quite a lot to carry on one character's shoulders. Yeah. Um, so I she was like that. the feminist, I will speak out, I won't, you know, I won't, I'm not, my whole purpose is not to get married. And I love that. I absolutely love that. But it was a bit, it was every single sentence in which she was I, saying sorry, she had to represent that. that. Yeah, because you had to have that perspective, but it was a bit much to have it just on that one character. So I felt a bit like, Oh, I get it. Like I knew what she's yeah. going to say before she said it almost every single time. But also time. it's like, if you're 16, chances are right. You've been smoking maybe two years. Where's that voice come from? You're 32. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could definitely tell that there was a weird <laughs> casting like, choice. <laughs> are you Penelope? 
<laughs> I'm voice. It's very true. Actually. It's a great, like, I loved her voice. Don't get me, I like, loved her voice. But yeah, she didn't strike me as a 15, 16 year old. No, absolutely not. I mean, age wise, I, it's like when you watch Game of Thrones, part of you just doesn't want to know for the sake, sake of your I mind. never watched it, Hannah. Hey, I never will. <laughs> so let's just go back to the Duke. So obviously, the Duke is pretty much our lead protagonist for the male side. Um, and like you said, they touch on this kind of background of him. You know, he's kind of rebelling against his father. He doesn't want to carry on the family name. But I will say, it did come across as very narcissistic near the end. I mean, there's one point when Daphne says to him, You would rather die than marry me. And literally, he was like, yeah. And I just thought, really? <laughs> Is life not that precious to you, you privileged piece of shit? And the daddy issues, it just got yeah. too much. And yeah. like you said, Lauren, like it, the lack of communication, maybe it's because um, it's obviously it's a Shonda Rhimes show, so it's full of the drama, as we've seen in Grey's Anatomy. But it just become very frustrating in the end. And I just did yeah. not like him. I did not like yeah. him. I think like the lack of communication, I think, was them touching on period dramas generally because like you know it's always like yearning and no one really like everything is repressed until the very end so mm-hmm. I think that's what they were trying to do I it just got Bridget it just got too much the first period drama I've ever watched well I wouldn't be surprised what? yeah I know one of, one of mine I, I do not watch period dramas yeah at- it's not a thing that I subscribe Pride and Prejudice. to no I've never seen it no. you've never seen Pride and Prejudice it's the one with Colin Firth. Oh, there's so many. There's there is that one. Michael McFadden. It's like, we get yeah. it. Kira Knightley wears a corset. We get it. No, you don't understand, <laughs> right? So because I, I felt this way, Lauren. And then one day I watched it and there's that scene where he says, I love you most ardently. Broke, absolutely broke apart, fell apart. And I'd be yeah. like, meanwhile, me Googling what ardently means. Like. <laughs> I need spark notes up. I know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he is essentially the most eligible bachelor and he's got that very, you know, essence to him where he's a bit of a bad boy. You know, he's probably slept around, he's, he's traveled and all this kind of stuff. But let's talk about the fact that he is a black duke in England. And then we want to talk about race here because it's not heavily mentioned within the show. And I don't know if you saw, but after the last episode, Netflix for me, it automatically played this really cheesy show called behind the scenes with david spade oh no i didn't get that it was it was this strange kind of netflix kind of do this thing sometimes where they talk about the show and they have the actors on but they showed that played this um show and they said oh yeah it's really great because they don't mention race in the show but they do they do have a conversation about it and it is to be honest it's so small that you know it's probably easily to be forgotten about now obviously for myself and lauren we don't struggle with seeing ourselves on the screen so when it comes to Bridgerton, we don't really think, oh, wow, there's actually representation here. So when we have black characters in here and we have Marina Thompson, we have the Queen, Queen Charlotte, and we have the Duke of Hastings and obviously the black boxer, as we don't know his name because they never said it enough, to be quite honest. So they've called it colorblind casting, but there is a moment where, is it Lady Danbury? She says to the Duke... The king married one of us. I'm very much paraphrasing here. I do apologize. The king married one of us and that changed things forever, which seems like a massive event in this kind of world of storytelling that we just only hear about very slightly. And as much as I'm sure they didn't want to make the show about race, it would have been good to have a little bit more poetic justice within there to kind of tell us what actually happened. Like, why isn't? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes that kind of feels like they're just disregarding it considering it was a massive point in history. But I mean, it's made headlines for inclusive casting and the books did not include it at all. And obviously Shonda Rhimes, she made the decision to have a diverse class, you know, and she said she wanted it to be more colourful than people thought it would be. And, you know, maybe it will be more accessible to people and exciting to people. Do you, how do you guys feel about that? Because I'm not too sure if I'm happy about them not mentioning it at all and just throwing it in there and expecting us to get on with it. I, I, I don't know. Because obviously in period dramas, we haven't seen this before, ever. I think I'm half and half. I'm glad that they didn't mention it because it wasn't really a big deal. Um, and I feel like it just goes to show you can have 
you know, an, a, a show that is set in the olden times when, you know, you, you're just watching it and it's not really a big deal. I mean, after the initial introduction to the characters, I didn't really care. And it was like, it just goes to show you don't need just white people in these white period dramas. I mean, we didn't just turn up one day. We were obviously there. Um, so it was nice to just sort of see that and the, and and it not be mentioned as much. But also at the same time, I would say that it was good that it was there because um, I can probably count on my hand the amount of my personal friends who've probably watched Pride and Prejudice and, you know, (laughs) old period dramas. But we all watched this and we were all like, oh, okay, like it was so refreshing to see. Like it was great to see. So I think that passing comment, I liked it because it sort of like lingered and it made you think, oh, so look how normal their society is. I mean, it wasn't something that happened ages ago because both the king and queen were alive, just. (laughs) (laughs) So it was nice to see that, you know, like it wasn't that big of a deal to them. Like, cause no one was mentioning that. No one was saying, oh, you Daphne wants to get the Duke, but this and that. So um, I think it was quite nice. We're just watching a show. It's not about race. So I quite enjoyed it. It was kind of refreshing as well to have like a relationship like that and it not be burdened by a racist Mm. undertone or someone, you know, challenging it. And it's interesting because Lady Danbury says, you know, the King married one of us. And you kind of, for me, that kind of made me think about Harry and Meghan and how different it could have been. Mm. Yeah. In such like a modern setting, like how different that could have been. You know, oh, Harry married a black woman and it was absolutely fine. No one ever said anything bad ever again, but no. This is one of those weird things I always wonder about. uh, But, you know, like, you know how Princess Diana's dead? Like, what? I am so sorry to break (laughs) the news. Um... I haven't got to that season of the crown yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, me either. But who was it she was with at the end? The Harrods. Harrods guy. I, like, I always wonder, Rudy. like, I, I always wonder, like, because she was like the queen of everyone's hearts, sort of the princess of everyone's hearts or whatever it was. And she was with him. If they hadn't died then, and they went on to have this, like, really good relationship, like, what would that have done for you know our perception I know yeah, you're saying you know what I mean like because Harry and Meghan's like the first mixed couple yeah, in the uh, royal family just wonder if it would have made any difference well that's that's what I'm saying like it, it, you have that simple storyline there that you know the king married a black woman which we're going to talk on about because Queen Charlotte there's a lot of history there about whether she was actually black and then it could just kind of set this president oh we've got you know we've got these people in the ton that are not white but yeah it, do, it does make you think that's why I thought of Harry and Meghan because I just thought if that simple moment of acceptance but obviously you know we're not going to get into the fact that Britain is ridiculously racist in the royal family but yeah it was it was interesting I think definitely for a piece like this where we, that we have the crown and it kind of balances that out and you look at the crown and like you said people don't watch Pride and Prejudice why would you watch something that doesn't represent who you are or have your culture but then you'd say that there's not a lot of black culture within Bridgerton yeah yeah it's, it's sure. pretty much white culture and you just popped a black actor in it but so let's talk about Queen Charlotte. So this character, she's interested because you don't know if she's a good person or a bad person. Then you have this really, really great moment where we discover that King George, it's um, it's probably Alzheimer's that he's suffering from, isn't it? Or dementia of some sort. And it's bloody heartbreaking. And she plays it so, so well. But yeah, there is a lot of history about this. There's a historical debate basically saying that she has African heritage. She was the first biracial member of the British family and that she originally descended from a black Portuguese family. But obviously there's no proof of this at all. But I think it's interesting how they took that character and just really kind of embellished it out and flourished it. And I mean, she's a very fabulous character, isn't she, with her wigs and dresses? I think she's quite cool. Is she is she a villain? What do you guys think? I think I think she was hilarious. I loved how <laughs> I loved how they would say King George. Is he dead yet? <laughs> I absolutely loved that. Like I thought she was fantastic, and she doesn't have a lot of storylines. She she doesn't have many lines at all, but she stole every single scene that mm-hmm. she. Yeah, did. absolutely. And I absolutely loved that for her. Whether she's a villain. I don't know. I think maybe she, I mean, she has a lot on her shoulders, you know, and maybe sometimes it comes across as being harsh just because she wants everything around her to be as perfect as possible because these dukes and and these royal people are, you know, representative of her. So um, I think, yeah, from a comedy perspective, she was fantastic. But yeah, she had villainous traits, but... I I never once even thought of her as like a villain. Really? 
No, like it never she, occurred to me she that she had this was... like kind of campy villainous to yeah. her that you'd see in like a like a pantomime or something. But I, love I know what you mean. I suppose I know what you mean. But it, when I was watching it, I just was sort of like her decisions made sense to me. Do you know what I, I mean? Like she was trying to get the prince to go with Daphne and whatever, and like I don't know. Well, that leads me on to my next question. What did you guys think about the prince and Daphne? Because as I said, I was not really loving the Duke, so I think she should have just ran off with the prince, but then that probably would have ended the show half yeah. of the season, not be very successful. But what did you guys think of that? Did she lead the prince on? Was she generally confused? I mean, the poor prince, bless him, with these yeah, sideburns. I, felt, I felt a bit bad. The sideburns. Yeah. Those sideburns. <laughs> right, yeah. All of the sideburns. I just, I felt like it was the first time she was interesting to me. Yeah, and she kind of had that thing like, no, tonight I'll wear the diamonds. Yeah. Like, oh, you bad bitch. Oh, look at you diamonds. And do my hair with the curls. I was like, okay, very specific. But yeah, I did I did like the prince. I did I did feel for him, but obviously you need a you need a middle person, don't you? Now the way the kind of marriage comes about is very bizarre. So obviously they have this moment in the garden where they have this very passionate kiss and he grabs a boob and someone's watching and what did you guys think of the way they actually ended up together? Because it kind of felt like it, I thought, okay, it's going to balance out and maybe she'll marry the prince and then we'll focus on other characters. And it was like, no, no, it's the Daphne show. I never really believed Simon and Daphne enough. Like, I feel like what I expected them to bring as far as like the romance, I never really kind of, it was all really fast. It was all, it felt a little bit random, even though you kind of knew it was going to happen anyway. I didn't buy into it like I thought I would. Yeah, I also just felt like, you know, he was sort of like making himself the victim then of being stuck in the situation when he absolutely caused the situation. Like he could have just not grabbed her tits. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. like control yourself. Do you know what I mean? That, like, And then that's I think that's the point really in the show where I started to get really frustrated then because I was sort of like you've like this wasn't something that like just accidentally happened. Like you did this and now like she's trying to save your life. And you're like annoyed about it. It was a bizarre one. And then obviously they you know, they do get married and you have this whole thing where he lies and says, I can't get I mean, just show the naivete of her character, the fact that she doesn't realise that men have to eject. But then that's probably what women went through. You weren't told about sex, you were just put into a room and said, Right, get on with it. I will say I watched this show with my parents. Um, oh my god and and my mum was like he pulled out did you see that and I, <laughs> and I was like yeah yeah I did yeah uh, <laughs> I mean god love mags I love her bits but oh. I was like this was a bad decision on my part <laughs> I think one of the reasons I also don't like Daphne is that whole thing you know when she basically like Traps him then Rapes Yeah Yeah, I rape, yeah. She I will say It was yeah. She does Very Very I didn't like questionable, it Questionable Very questionable scene And like Yes she's discovered That he's you know Manipulated her And hurt her But it was a very strange Domineering scene yeah. That I'm very unsure about And when he was angry with her I could see the anger from him And I could see the anger from her And then I just kind of thought You two are very problematic And I just wish you'd stay in this house And I could watch someone else Like Anthony yeah. for example with the sex scenes, this was obviously a big marketing factor as well. People, you know, say it was very sexy. It was very hot. Did you think it was? Like, was this something we hadn't seen before? Because, I mean, I grew up watching True Blood, so I've well, seen this before. Again, for me, bit- I watched it with my parents, so it <laughs> was very hot for me. It was very, <laughs> yeah. very un- it was very uncomfortable. I just wish she'd been more creative. You know, when he was like, what do you want? And she went you i'm like no say something creative like you already have it just be a little more like i don't know it was fine but it very much felt like you know how they used to market gossip girl like when it first started like that show that you yeah and it was like gossip girl i mean you literally had like a town gossip but except Kristen bell wasn't paid 1.5 million to narrate gossip girl (laughs) bloody hell did she really get paid that much money i know i read that but i read that on whatsapp so I know it was was like a ridiculous amount And also the fact that she only talks at the beginning and the end of each episode Like it wasn't a lot of work for (laughs) for the payment But I mean she is, you know, um, an icon So 
I was going to say, I'd pay I her I just kept expecting to see her in it, but then I was like, of course we're hey, not going to we, see her we in it. we cannot get into the Gossip Girl discourse on Del Humphrey being Gossip Girl today. That is a whole other episode. And we've oh, already, I've never seen it. We've already, it. we've already pissed off Gossip Girl fans sorry, from last week, Neha, it. so it's all good. Are they still pissed off? What <laughs> the did discourse. you do? We, we can't get into it. So... <laughs> That's that's kind of Daphne and the Duke And you know They have their sex romp And then it's all fine Anyway I'm, I'm bored talking about them I'm not going to lie to you mm-hmm. So let's talk about Some other characters in Bridgerton So we have Anthony Who I will say I would die for I love this man I want to shave his sideburns off But I, I do love this man But he's got that Typical kind of torn Now how I'm going to say it It's your trope The lovable jock he is a lovable jock. He's, you know, he's wanting to do right by his family, but he's also wanting to, you know, have the drama and the, you know, excitement of having an affair with a with a commoner, a commoner woman. Also, she sang opera like she wasn't that common. That's why I couldn't understand. Yeah. And the dressmaker as well. Like these are quite prestigious I jobs. The dressmaker, though, when she isn't even really French. But what I would say, sorry, is I thought Anthony was the villain. <laughs> Ooh, tell me more I didn't really like Anthony I was sort of like You're being such a dick Every time you're on screen Like why am I supposed to like you? Yeah But he, think- he grows He grows I mean I But he's still sort of just torturing that doll Like at the end He still wants her And it's like right mm. Well you either do or you don't like I think that father issues are a major impact within Bridgerton. The Duke has them, Anthony has them because he's obviously trying to compensate with the fact that his father's no longer there because he's the Viscount or Viscount. Um, And it will be interesting because the second season is expected to focus on him because if the show follows the book as a guide, the second season will shift to him as he's the eldest brother. Um, So it'd be interesting to see whether they, you know, introduce a new character. And I mean, the poor girl they introduce, he's obviously going to string along because he wants to be with the other doll unless they kill her off because, you know, they like to do that to female characters to grow the men. Yeah, I'm interested to hear more on your thoughts about him. Like, Laverne, what did you think of Anthony? Well, unfortunately, I didn't actually... Uh, decipher him from the other brothers until about episode four. <laughs> I had no idea when they would switch between the brothers. I had no idea what was yeah. going on. So the one that was going to like those like sex dungeon painting parties, <laughs> I thought he was the one that was having sex in episode where I it took me so Damn. long. So by the time I like got to grips with who was who, I was like, oh, I don't really care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, however, I would say the actor, I watched like a 50 questions with interview with him and he is a delight. I love him. The actual actor is fantastic. But yeah, I have no idea who anyone was for the longest time, unfortunately. So I have to go back and rewatch some of it because I didn't know who was sleeping with the opera woman. I didn't know (laughs) who was dating the French woman. So I need to just go back and like decipher. But I think the whole daddy issues thing is so interesting because he was trying to make decisions based on what the man of the household would make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's getting so involved with his sister's love life. Like, oh my gosh, give her a break. It was ridiculous. Um, it it, was he ridiculous. was nearly died. He nearly died. <laughs> Kiss someone in a garden. I just couldn't believe it. So um, yeah, it was interesting to see him basically split himself into like so many different roles when really he just wanted to shack up with his... Uh, Opera gal, but opera gal. yeah. Yeah. Once I figure out everyone, I will be able to answer your questions more <laughs> more clearly. It, it is hard though because you have. Um, I mean, it's great casting by all means because they do all look very alike. The middle brother Benedict. I was really excited. Is for that it. his name? Yeah. Benedict Did they ever say it? A B C D. I I didn't get that until I read trivia on IMDb afterwards. I didn't get that until they had the baby, and he was like, "Should we do it?" And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I, I honestly didn't get that I was like Yeah oh, it's that's um, a fine name <laughs> So it's it, Hey it's the 18th 19th century Isn't it So Benedict I was really excited Because I thought Okay Let's explore You know Some homosexuality In this Let's you know See if we've got Any queer characters And then they just Shut it down Like really simply yeah. And I completely understand The other character You know Hiding his homosexuality But then They just Shacked Benedict up with the dressmaker And I just thought What, what happened to that kind of storyline there Like where did it go I mean what did you guys think about that I think is he not bi Like is that not what they were trying to Like he was exploring his sexuality in television. Well yeah but <laughs> yeah. like I think it that we saw a glimpse of him Exploring his sexuality mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'd like to see more of that in season 2 actually I would say that's Absolutely. probably 
going to be explored more in season yeah, two. Yeah, I would really like to see more of that. I think they used him more as like a plot device with the whole Lady Whistledown thing then because they mm, had to like tie yeah. the dressmaker in so that Eloise could be like... Oh. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know... Solely yeah. for a plot device. I don't yeah. think... Like I didn't think much of it because I could tell the writers didn't think much of it. It was more <laughs> put him, put him mm. in the right space and time. Whereas you know the whole exploring the sexuality thing, I think that will be explored further. And I think it would have been a bit too much to explore it with what with everything that was going on with everything else. Mm. Um, because one thing I would say, I don't know how period dramas tend to work because I don't watch them often but from what I understand is you know you have your Kira Knightley you have your <laughs> the male protagonist and then that's pretty much everything whereas this one you had you know maids had certain you know lines and and helping Daphne out and then you had people that ran the 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 mansions and you had all these siblings then you had people who had common jobs like the dressmaker and the opera I say common in inverted commas um, and <laughs> how <there> dare you <laughs> I, there was just so much I think I would have gotten a bit lost especially because I also hadn't figured out who he was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the entire series it would have been a bit much but I think they should explore it because it was interesting. I just think I'm glad that they have left that there. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot. There's a lot of, like you said, and I think that's why it made it quite popular. It wasn't just about Daphne and the Duke. There was so many side characters and side storylines to focus on, which was great. It's just an area we didn't really see much of. Is he going to be the focus of season three then? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't read the books, but um, I know that season two is probably going to focus on... I mean, it won't solely focus on Anthony. Yeah. We're probably going to have more drama from the Duke and the Duke will probably look at Daphne the wrong way and she'll have the ump for two weeks and we'll have to go through that. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I do... The Bridgertons, it's pretty much about having that family name, isn't it? And kind of keeping that class status and the fact they're all gorgeous. But let's talk about the other family. Let's talk about the Featheringtons. So I will say... Marina Thompson I couldn't fucking stand her She did my absolute head in For the moment she started on screen To the moment she left on screen So I should just cancel the cameo I got of her for you (laughs) Please do I don't know what it was I just felt I understood completely That you know She was brought Into the family And she's obviously pregnant And she's unhappy Because this guy's left but I just thought she was just so ungrateful. I just think she she just threw her weight around and I just really didn't like her character. And I just felt really sorry for, for Penelope, who was generally trying to help her. And then she tried to pull one over on poor little Colin Bridgerton, the other guy that looked like yeah. the other two guys. I mean, I find this part of the storyline more interesting than the, the, the Bridgertons. I thought the Featheringtons had more interest in things happening with the father being oh, a yeah. and all that kind of stuff I mean I I didn't mind Marina I, I don't know if I thought she was ungrateful I mean she was just thrown into this house and couldn't leave and obviously her lover was gone and I really felt sorry for her for a lot of the episodes purely with you know like the, them faking the letter and all that stuff and obviously then when you find out I suppose anyone listening to this podcast has watched the show, but when you find out obviously that he's actually dead and his brother comes and offers her ha- his hand or wants her hand. And I was sort of like, take that. That seems to be like your best way out. But then it's like, you're thinking in the mindset of someone from the 1900s then, do you know what I mean? Mm, like that's really not what's best for her, but you're just sort of like in this situation, that's sort of what's best for you. But I found it all very interesting. And I really liked the tension between her and Penelope then when, you know, she started going towards Colin and Penelope loved Colin. Oh yeah. I find that stuff more interesting than a lot of the Bridgerton stuff, if I'm honest. But again, it's probably because I love Nicola Coughlin. Yeah. I, f- I yeah. When, her, when the, soldier's brother came I just thought I can't believe that you are both like willing to potentially just throw away actually being in love with someone just for the name and to make sure that you're looked after I but I guess that is very much in touch with what things were like back then that was so crazy to me but then yeah I was rooting for her rooting for her until she was going to trap that Mm. poor boy yeah yeah he would have fought for her and taken her anyway and I'm like if you'd actually listened to what he was like I think you would have been able to have figured that out because he was different to what like a lot of the men were like from what we could see so um, yeah yeah I feel like she obviously had a crappy sort of predicament, but that was a low blow. But also, I don't know. 
I don't know. I would I have done the same? <laughs> I loved it when um, Lady Featherington took her to like the slum area and was like, mm-hmm. "This is your future if you don't like sort of figure it out." But then I also just don't blame her when she was going to get married to like that ugly, oh god, that was disgusting oh, man. Oh, and then at that point, I'm like, "Well, I don't blame you for the decision you've been making because mm-hmm. he is disgusting." Absolutely. Inside and out. He yeah. was just vile. It was, I think it was, it was very good storyline. And obviously if, it, if, if they're making me hate a character, they're doing a good job because they're obviously showing how difficult the situation is. So let's talk about Penelope, played by our lovely Nicola Coughlin. So she is the youngest daughter and lo and behold, she turns out to be Lady Whistledown. Did you guys see it coming? The last I... couple episodes, yes, but not for the first half. I wasn't thinking about it. Like, no? it really didn't bother. No, because I was, I think, again, because it reminds me so much of Gossip Girl, I just assumed it would be like this long, drawn out thing that I didn't yeah. have to think about. And uh, I feel like even after they made the re- reveal, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, for me, I didn't think it was going to be one of them. I thought it was just going to be a random person that was, you know, really heavily invested in them. I also hoped on some level it would really be a Julie Andrews character because I wanted to, yes. have to be on the show. So, I mean, I did kind of hope a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guided by that, actually. I did read a really interesting thing. So, Nicholas said to the director, I think, she said, it would be really good in random scenes that I'm not in if you just see me in the background. Um, Because she knew she was going to be Lady Whistleton. So, I think that was a really good idea. So, I kind of want to watch it back. Apparently, she's just in the back sometimes in certain conversations that she's not even central in. And I think that made it so much more believable because it made made you want to almost go back and watch it. And, you know, Oh wow How did she know All of this stuff So um, I thought That was a really Good idea from her She seems like A really cool person From She gets yeah. retweeted Onto my timeline Really um, quite often She's very vocal About sort of diversity Making mm. sure everyone Has a voice She se- she seems awesome Yeah um, she, I've she not watched Derry Girls She oh, <laughs> You'd love it um, It's okay Don't worry um, She actually did a lot too Because uh, she's obviously From the south of Ireland But Derry Girls She's playing someone From Northern Ireland Or the north of Ireland Depending on your Political persuasion um, But she actually Did a while a lot here too For um, Our uh, abortion rights Because we obviously Couldn't uh, have Free safe abortions Here until last well, a year and a half ago. So her and one of the sister Michael, you know, sister Michael, if you've watched Darius, um, mm-hmm. both did like a big protest outside like the House of Commons and stuff and was like really vocal towards all that. So she does seem like a really cool person. Like she she really does mm. seem to care a lot about a lot of things. So I like to see her do well. And I was actually the other day I was looking because she just reached like a million Instagram followers. And I was like, I wonder what the other dairy girls have you know like then just being like under how much of a difference it is in terms of her fame from Bridgerton and like they all only have at the most like 200,000 followers so like she is like wow star now like and I you- bet her I bet she's getting so many opportunities like I bet her publicist is getting <laughs> yeah her phone rang constantly it's just really good at accents too it seems she is yeah and it's, it's interesting to see that when you have a show like this that it has taken off and become so popular what what it will do to the cast included because i mean i look i i can safely say i hadn't seen any of them beforehand i'd recognize lady danbury and queen charlotte in other works but i'd never seen any of like the main ones and then you look at their like work you're like they've been working for like 10 15 years it's just so competitive so it'd be interesting to see see where they all go it'll be interesting to see what the future is i mean the books there's there's loads of books and the books range from like up into the youngest bridgerton getting married and having like romance and affairs so it's there's a there's longevity in this series all well the fact that it is a period drama and obviously it's you know is the historical accuracy is is it going to conflict with other things that we have but we are kind of seeing a change in period dramas that's happening over kind of within film and television. Obviously, David uh, David Copperfield, the recent adaptation of this, that was a colourblind casting with our lovely Dev Patel. Love you, Dev, if you're listening. I am free tomorrow and would like to hang out tomorrow. If you'd like to hang out tomorrow, I'm free to hang out tomorrow. And we are seeing, we are seeing other bits and pieces in this that, that you know, it is becoming quite 
normal and popular. And like you said, like it's something you don't think about when you're watching. Like you wouldn't watch David Copperfield and think, okay, this is a completely different because Deborah Tell's in it. So I'm hoping we are going to see this moving forward. And I mean, we've got things like The Little Mermaids coming out soon with obviously Hallie. Hallie. Oh my God, I love them. So that's 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 going to be an interesting one. You look at things like the, just going back to Gossip Girl, the Gossip Girl reboot. The cast is much more diverse, and you th- I mean, we did an episode recently on TV couples, and like all of them were pretty much white because that's how they would market a teen show. Oh, it has to be popular. I mean, just relating back to High School Musical, the fact that they couldn't have more than two black characters in it. It's it's nice to see the change happening, and it's a natural change, and that we're not just seeing storylines that are about racism. It is just about people in the story it's not you know the duke battling with you know the fact that he's a black duke and there's racist undertones to that it's the fact that he is a daddy's boy you know it's different it's different struggles so i am interested to see how they move it forward maybe yeah. there'll be even more diversity in season two maybe we'll see more ethnicity shown maybe we'll have a conversation about race but i am excited to see where this goes which is very different as i said to the start of the episode where i didn't really give a shit about bridgerton when they first started advertising it so how do you guys feel about that? Are you excited to see what the future holds for this? I am, but I I think I want them to explore race a little more in the second season, just because obviously this is London in the in the Regency era, and there were black people in London in the Regency era. And I think while I like the colorblind casting, I want them to tap into some of that. I want to see that explored and I don't know how that's going to happen could it be contrived because the show itself is like a gossip girl style period drama like it's going to be contrived on some level mm-hmm. but I feel like they'd be missing an opportunity if they don't I, I feel like I want well, a little of that yeah, I mean like what happened did King George just marry Queen Charlotte and the next day people were like oh I'm not racist oh all the slaves got freed oh everyone like what like how like you have to give a little bit of context to it so I completely agree completely agree also I just want to talk about one scene in particular before we round up the episode so Daphne learns Mm. how to masturbate and the first time that she masturbates she has an orgasm now if that's not the most biggest crock of shit you've ever had in your life also, what's the music again? Is it uh, Wildest Dreams by Taylor Swift? Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, all I thought about during that scene was, Jesus, I need to get these parts for the orchestra when things go back, you know, because I, I take a couple orchestras in real life when things aren't like this. Uh, and then I was like, what if they're like, Miss, where'd you hear this? And they're like, oh, it's <laughs> like, a for me, it's when her mother says, oh, you finished. Yeah, it was, I, it was so funny because it's typical for, a man to explain to a woman yeah. like I was like that is not realistic why is a man telling a woman how to reach like ecstasy when it comes to like oh, sexual gosh. pleasures like trust that to be the thing like bless yeah it's <laughs> it's it's inter- it's great I love to see kind of like you know women exploring their sexuality and you know sexual identity within television but that I just got massive rolled my eyes I like are you serious because it's not re- it's not realistic and it's just it just goes back to like when you see sex portrayed on television and like it's people losing their virginity and you've got that really lovely kind of like end moment and you, you just know it doesn't happen like that no we we need more realistic representations of virginity and of women orgasm. So it'd be interesting if they do explore that because you know you're we've not, got a lot- you're not allowed to show that. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> they me. don't allow you to show that. I tell you um, why not. Who, who does it? I well. don't know. It's not. I didn't make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> who does it well is um is it's on sex education. Like yes. I feel like the way they explain stuff like that is just hilarious because it's like so much more. Relevant. I couldn't get into that show at all. Really? I really I need couldn't. to watch it. I like watched the first episode and like my mom loved it and my aunt was like, You watch, watch why are you watching these things with your mom? <laughs> Lauren, Cause I, boundaries. Because I love my mom. I love spending time with my mom. <laughs> and also because I'm saving for a mortgage and I gotta live here. So I just couldn't get into it. I, I tend to really not enjoy British sitcom things. No offense. No, um, I think I think it's changing though. I think that British yeah, TV I mean, shows are. Skins. But watch Love Sick. 
love skin. So also Lauren, skins was like 15 years ago. You're gonna have to find something else. I just watch American stuff because I'm honestly (laughs) the worst. No, don't be silly. I think that TV shows, um British TV shows, they are getting more funding now and getting the attention from I mean look, Netflix, Love Six on Netflix. Not in the Northeast. Not in the Northeast. No, we won't talk about that today. But yes, Bridgerton, there it is. If you if you have watched it, let us know what you like. Did you like Anthony? Did you like the Duke? Did you think the representation of a female orgasm was incredibly realistic? Would love to know about that. But no, I'm excited to see what they do next. But obviously we don't know when they're going to film again because we're in a pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see where they go. But I heard a rumor that they have got plans for like eight seasons for this. I, yeah, I don't think I could line. be that interested. Eight that seasons. But yeah. there's, there's tons there's so of many books. Yeah. So many books. But I it's also questioning how much we as an audience will stay engaged. But I mean mm. indeed. And also Lady Whistledown is interlaced in two franchises off the author's book. So she's in the Bridgerton books, but she's also in another set of books so there's a lot there's a lot of scope guys there's a lot of scope and of course this has really reinvented the popularity in period dramas so are we going to see more are we going to see more period dramas pop up could it be like twilight and we get loads of vampire stuff who knows <laughs> everyone could be talking like lady whistle down that's all we've got time for this week it was lovely to have you all on the show laverne did you enjoy your first time yeah, that was so much fun. That oh, was great. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be back soon. Our birthday is coming up. We are doing a live podcast day. So you can mm-hmm. find out information on that on our website, riampictures.com, not riampictures.com. Long story, TLDR. But no, thank you for joining us and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.